think a lot of times when we have partnered experiences, a lot of our focus is on like, is this feeling good for them? And so to yes. incorporate this focus back on yourself, is this feeling good for me? And getting really super connected to how your body feels, how it likes to be touched, what turns you on, what are the things that are appearing, you know, in your fantasies, what are the things you think about, or all of that is such insightful information to bring then into your partner and sex life. Welcome back. This is the Confident Collective Podcast, and we are your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Christina. We are curb models, content creators, and some would even say comedians. We started the Confident Collective Podcast to help you live your most confident life by sharing our stories and sitting down with experts to talk about, well, life. We chat sex, dating, business, relationships, and so much more. We hope you love this episode, so let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Confident Collective Podcast. It's me, Rayanne. <laughs> and Christina. <laughs> Ray, I cannot... Dude, dude, dude. It's like... What? Almost Christmas. It's Thanksgiving. I'm like looking at the calendar right now and I'm like, how? How is it Thanksgiving week? I don't know when the shift happened from when life seemed to drag on. Like I remember being in school and being like, oh my God, will it ever be? And now as an adult, I am like, holy shit. Time is flying by. It is actually, it's actually crazy. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. I feel I, like there's parts of the summer where it feels like slow unless like you're traveling or doing something. And then all of a sudden September comes and once September comes, it's pretty much like, okay, it's new year's. <laughs> like it's so it's wild. Like a nonstop turbo train of just chaos fun, but it's just so, I'm just like, I don't understand where the time is going. It's just crazy. We're spending Thanksgiving with Steve's family. Oh, so like staying local. My plan is to get, everything decorated for the holidays and just like enjoy and chill. And then we're going to New York right afterwards. So yeah, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be super, super crazy. Are you going back to Denver Turbo. for Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. I'm going to Colorado for Thanksgiving and going to go, I think I'm going to go skiing and just have my little Colorado adventure time. It's going to be so fun. So fun. And just, yeah, relax with family. And my dad, you know what I'm realizing? Like my sister was actually in the city this past weekend and we just went to lunch because she didn't have much time. We went to this place and I was like, oh, I'm going to get steak free. It's going to be so good. I am so spoiled because my dad is such a good cook, especially mm. when it comes to like steak and stuff. Every time I get, unless I'm at like a really nice steakhouse, like, which I've been to maybe twice in my life. I don't even know. But my, I'm just like, this is my dad's better. Like it just was not, I was so disappointed. And this place was so hyped and I was so disappointed. because I was it? like, La Boucherie. Oh, wait. Boucherie? Not like Boucheron, <laughs> right? Like in Soho? Wait, I mean, no, it's not. They have like a few locations. Okay. I, I swear like, it's, it's not the one that, what's his name? Kicked out of, right? Oh, James Gordon? Yeah. No, I don't think so. But anyway, I don't even know how I got on this tangent about well, food. Well, that's but... good because then your dad's going to make a banging Thanksgiving dinner. Yes, that's where I was going. He makes the best. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so good. Okay, but I have to tell you something. What's up? So I went on a date with mm -hmm. someone I met IRL, okay, in okay. person. So, oh, which I love, just amazing. I didn't know how old he was until I got on the date. How old is he? <laughs> is he legal? <laughs> yes, thank God. 
This man is 23 years old. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't know why that sounds so young. That is young. That's why it sounds no, so No, that is young. 23 is young. I was like just a little bit shocked because he did not seem 21. And I kid you not. Well, 21 and 23 I, are different, but still. Did I just say 21? Yeah. Oh, I meant 23. Okay. God, I'm just rounding down now in my head. No, 23. He is 23. And I was like, oh my God, like I feel pretty young. And it was just weird to be in the situation where I, like I've always previously dated usually guys who are my age or like most recently, like 10 years, almost 10 years older than me. And so it was just weird to be in that situation where I was like the older one. It was so, it was just a very strange dynamic. And we ended up going out with some of his friends as you do when you're 23 (laughs) on a first date. (laughs) And his, I was wearing a meow mini skirt. Mm -hmm. Okay. And a meow, like mesh cropped baby tee mm-hmm. and knee high boots. They told me I was dressed like a teacher. What? <laughs> and I was like, I was. Wait, just, what did they want you to wear? I was like, I am so confused by this conversation. They just were like, you give teacher vibes. And I'm like, wait, was it the boots? I'm sorry. I was like, what teachers do you have that are wearing a mini skirt and knee high boots? Okay. I mean, you must have some cool ass teachers. We, I'm confused. Were there not that any hate to the teachers out there, but you know, you don't wear, you have to dress pretty modestly for school. Right. Meow mini skirts are not modest. Meow My full ass would be out in a meow mini skirt, like literally <laughs> full ass out. I know. So Wait, it where, was just a he, whirlwind. Were there any female friends there? Yeah, what one were they was, wearing? It was, her, it was her 19th birthday. No, okay. I can't. Wait, the funniest <laughs> part about all of this is when we were trying to find you dates for the blind dating segment, someone was like, why don't you ask like your brother? Like he's- And we were like, no, And too I was young. like, no, they're too young. And my brother's going to be 26. <laughs> and I'm like, wait. Your brother's going to be 26? Yeah. Oh, maybe I do need to ask him for to hook me up with some of his you friends. You might have to, yeah. No, I mean, I don't know. This younger guy thing is new to me. Well, whatever. Um, I just, fun. I'm not even like as shocked about the younger thing as I am about the teacher comment. That has me for a <laughs> little bit. Really I, <laughs> I was kind of obsessing over it all night. I was like, yeah, you like are in your head the rest of the night after that. You're like, I look sexy as fuck. I mean, and also like maybe it's like a sexy like teacher we'll fantasy go with that. thing. Maybe we'll go with that just for my own ego. Yeah, we'll we'll I, go that let's story. Let's roll with that. Let's roll with that. Oh God. Anyway, well, while I was out celebrating a 19 year old's birthday, how was your weekend? (laughs) Okay. I have like two different life updates. I'm going to just say both of them. One, my weekend was fantastic because I have realized that I'm entering into serious nesting mode. And I didn't realize I was doing this until someone's like, do you feel like you started nesting yet? And I was like, no. And then I was like, wait a minute. I had someone come and organize my house two days this week. Her name is Danny. We're going to have her on the podcast because she's literally changed my life. I cannot even tell you how, how free I feel in a way. (gasps) Oh, I love this for you. Ran. I had two. I'm going to put this on stories. I had two bathing suit drawers full. I couldn't even open either of them. One was bikinis. One was one pieces. Couldn't even open them. Dude, I narrowed them down to one drawer for both of them. (gasps) I know. 
And I feel amazing. I feel amazing. Are you sure? Do you feel like maybe you're going to be no, thinking about? I don't no? you know why. Because if I were going on vacation right now, I probably would have wanted like to get some new pieces. Or I was like thinking I have a photo shoot tomorrow morning where I have to wear swimsuits. I was like, what are my favorite swimsuits? And if you're not like something I want to gravitate to, like, why are we even here? Like if I haven't worn yeah. that she was like, did you bring this to Greece? I was like, no. She's like, did you bring it on your last vacation? I was like, no. She's like, when was the last time you wore this? I was like, two years ago. She's like, Bye. And I was like, you're absolutely right. It just felt so good. And I definitely love having a lot of product and having clothes and having options, but it doesn't necessarily like make me happier. If anything, it makes me feel like super overwhelmed. And we've talked a little bit about this before too. And anyway, so I've been in nesting mode, major organizing mode, and it feels really good. And also I just feel like I also have the opportunity to be like very generous and like donate a lot of product and like give a lot of people things. And it just feels extra good to be generous during like this time of year, especially. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's like a double whammy. Like I feel great about it on all ends. Oh, I love that for you. There's nothing better than just feeling like you're not, you you just have simplified decluttered. It is just so calming. And it's, what are you laughing at? Except poor Steve. I have to whisper this in case he hears. Okay. What? So we also decluttered my bathroom. This man has one drawer in the entire bathroom. Okay. <laughs> um, I have. He ev- doesn't need much stuff. He, I have everything else. And I asked him to throw away this garbage bag. He's like, are you sure this is garbage? And I was like, I, t- I was texting at this one. I was like, yeah, positive. And he pulled out his like electric toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, why was my toothbrush there? And I was like, oh shit. And like, I definitely threw that out. Like I thought like you didn't use it anymore. And I like made up a story about it. But then this morning he was like, I can't find my nail clippers anywhere. And I was like, there's a bag of nail clippers. I knew there was a bag of nail clippers. And he was like, no, I like the ones, the black ones and the yellow tin. I definitely got rid of those. I just thought they were extra and he never used them. So now I have like this morning, I was like, fuck, I have to find them on Amazon. Cause I just feel bad. Like the man has one drawer and I got rid of like, the two things toothbrush, two essentials <laughs> yeah. toothbrush and his nail clippers the poor guy can't even brush his teeth oh god Christina. oh he, has, to the he has another toothbrush, toothbrush okay he won't need that he has another toothbrush he's been using okay, okay? that's why oh okay, but, okay. oh my god two toothbrushes don't tell steve about the nail clippers okay don't tell him about the nail clippers <laughs> anyways oh, the poor guy one that's other, hilarious one other quick thing i realized and Maybe we'll talk about more of this in getting holiday season, but I started to experience a lot of FOMO lately. And there's like a lot of events going on this time of year and a lot of things happening. And I started to feel really lonely. And this was like one night. And then I started, and then I guess I was like playing the comparison game a lot with things going on social media and people I saw going to events. And I started to realize like two things that I was like kind of jealous or having FOMO about or things that like I was invited to. Like I made the choice not to go to these things because I just didn't want to. But then I saw people at them and I was getting like feeling left out or feeling down on myself. Oh, I do that all the time. You do? Okay. And I was like, why am I being like this? And I started crying to Steve about it pretty much. And then anyways, like, I was like, I just don't have fun anymore. I don't do anything. He's like, okay. But he's like, you were just at this event the other night that you had like the best time at. And I was like, you're right. He's like, you were just hanging out with this friend the other day. I was like, oh, you're right. Like, and it's just so crazy how you can fall into this comparison game. Like where one night 
you're having the time of your life. The next day you see something on social or you hear someone doing something and immediately you start comparing. Anyways, so that's just something I've been dealing with and trying to be like super honest with myself about why I feel these ways. And also knowing that if I said no to something, it's because I didn't want to go there and it's okay if other people are going and enjoying themselves. And two, like maybe I should start saying yes to more things as well. So yeah. Anyways, that's what I'm going through. Good takeaways. Good takeaways. But I feel like that's super normal. I will say no to things and then I'll see people there having fun. And I'm like, fuck. I know. I know. It's that's why honestly, and I've said this before, like I dream of a I would love to just dream in a I don't I'm thankful for social media. But like if I didn't know other people were having fun and doing all these things, I would be so much more at peace with where I'm at. That's like it's just I would love to live in a world without social media for a little bit just to see what it's like. It would be wild. It would truly be wild. I wonder if there's a place you can go and just like, well, there is. You can choose not to engage. But anyway, I digress. I know what you mean. Uh, it would just be pretty freeing. I actually like um, feel bad for like kind of for kids because like my nieces, I was with them and they're talking about like TikTok and stuff like that. And I was like, damn, like being the pressure of like being in middle school or high school and being cool on social media. Oh, I thank the Lord above that we did not have instagram in high school i think it came out right after i was in high school <sighs> anyways anyway okay what are you obsessed with so i did a little q a on my stories recently and i had so many questions was is dating in new york city better than la and i think i can I, i'm gonna have to we'll retouch on this maybe like in january after i've had more time because I've only been here for two weeks, <laughs> Yes, but I have really, I will say I have jammed a lot in. I have. Yeah. You've been booked and busy, bitch. Booked and busy. And I've, I feel like I have gotten a pretty good ta initial taste of the dating scene. And these are my observations as initially initial differences. It is easier to date here in the way that it is just easier to like meet someone for a drink, like hop on the train, mm. meet someone for a drink, or I'm at an event and I'll meet someone for a drink after. Whereas like in LA, it just was a little bit more difficult. Like I would never go to an event and then plan on meeting someone after because it's like just logistically more difficult. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, logistically, it's just way easier. And I think people stay out here later Definitely. or maybe... Like, okay, you agree? I think so. I think it's easier to stay out there later because one, you don't have to worry about like your car or like getting, it yeah. just e transportation is easier in the city. Yeah. So I think the logistics um, make people stay out later. Also people work later. So I think yeah. that their evening is starting later too. True. Also, I think that in my experience, I think guys here seem to just like take charge and plan a date way faster. I feel like in LA, it's a little bit like, okay like let's get this on like is he gonna ask me out like what's going on we're like chit-chatting chit-chatting and here i feel like guys have been made way more direct and like okay i made a reservation here like at this time and i'm like oh, i love shit. that yes which has been a positive positive outcome also there is just like i feel like more guys here like i don't know just the numbers on my app like when we're talking about online dating and also, I feel like, I don't know why, but you're just in the presence of like meeting more people, like walking out and in about LA, too. walking out and about, you just are in contact with so many more people. The option for meeting people in person is just way more prevalent. So I also think that makes it easier. 
And those are my key takeaways. So yeah, dating in New York, I think is better than LA so far. I love Check that. Check back in with me in January. We'll maybe do a more in-depth analysis. But so far, I'm like, this rocks. That's great. That's amazing. I think yeah. that, I think all that makes sense. I think that just like the logistics part of it, just in general, I think like being out and about in like the real world in LA, it's so easy to just go from your home to your car, to wherever you're supposed to be going. And you lose that like opportunity that we dream about of like bumping into someone or you know what I mean? Of the meet cute. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah. Which speaking of love, what is your obsessed with Christina? Okay. So I've been watching love is blind. And I, I mean, at this point, like if you aren't caught up, like I, I'm not going to give away any spoilers. Okay. But this is like, if you want, if you're on the internet, or watch TV at all. You've probably seen some of the couples that have come out of it. Have you watched it, by the way? No. And my sister was getting mad at me. She's like, you need to watch it. And have it. you watched other seasons too? I did. I watched the last two seasons. I don't know why I haven't. I just haven't had much like time to watch it recently. That's but fine. anyway, it's okay. You can, it's okay if you ruined something for me. Okay. So one of the couples, Zay and Coles, the, what I've been obsessed with is First of all, they were just a bad match for each other in general, but specifically how Zay kind of projected her own securities onto the relationship. And a lot of them were not her fault. Like there was many reasons that he made her feel insecure for sure. Like that is completely valid. But anyways, it just got me thinking about how like sometimes we are just our own worst enemy and how if you're not happy with yourself, you just continue to like ruin the relationships that you're in. And specifically mm -hmm. in her case, like there was definitely some body insecurities that she's feeling with and has been dealing with, I think through her entire life. And that was seen on the show and projected into her relationship. And I'm sure there are things that he has said, whether meaning to or not that have encouraged those insecurities and made them thrive even more. But it was just so hard to watch her in certain scenes when I'm like, she is like this stunning gorgeous, like beautiful woman who you would never think had these insecurities. And not only does she have them, but she's projecting them onto her relationship and making things from an outsider's perspective seem a lot worse than they are. Mm. So I kind of just been like obsessed with that idea of like, you can't really like be in a healthy, loving relationship until you like learn to like love yourself in certain ways. Absolutely. I could not agree more. I was just Googling this couple as you were talking about them. I have not seen them at all on social media, but she's I think having that a is... hard time on social media. I feel bad for her. I think that people are really being really mean to her, um, mm. which is just wrong. And obviously no one knows the inner workings of a relationship or what went on for me. Like I saw someone who was hurting in many ways. So I feel for her. And I also recognized a lot of the habits and things that she was doing. Like she was getting like very like upset and defensive about certain comments like made about food that like interesting. super, super innocent. There's like this one like cuties, like citrus story that if you go and watch the finale episode, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's like, it's just in the reunion episode and you hear her retell it and you hear him retell it. And then they actually play the evidence at the end of it. And it'd be, it's very interesting. I did a Q and A in it's very interesting to see how people react to it. And I felt like the anger that she felt and like the insecurity she felt 
that she was projecting were coming from a place, not necessarily at him, but from a place of her entire life of being told to look a certain way. And she got very defensive in her thoughts. And I was like, oh, I know then when someone makes a comment, specifically someone in my family about like food or whatever, I've gotten very defensive. And I was like, I wonder if from an outside perspective, they weren't meaning it like that at all. But I've been trained to think that someone thinks of me like this because of that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So anyways, it got me into thinking real deep about things, you know? I feel you. Wow, that's really interesting. That honestly has made me want to watch it more than anyone. I don't know that <laughs> that dynamic because I feel like I can relate to that so much has really made me want to watch it. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, well, today we're going to be actually talking about the most important relationship you can have is with yourself mm-hmm. and specifically female pleasure, okay? We are diving in. This is going to be like a female pleasure 101. We are talking with Kiana Reeves of Foria Wellness. She has a very large resume. I'll just kind of riddle off some things for you. She's a somatic sex educator, certified sex logical body worker, pelvic health practitioner, and certified doula. And she's been in this field of sexual wellness and female reproductive health for over 10 years. And she's really all about creating a dialogue around pleasure and helping people feel more connected to their own bodies and their sexual experiences. And she is here today to talk to us about masturbation, female pleasure, and really getting in touch with yourself. And we also go into how that like translates with a partner. Yeah, we break it all down. And I feel like this episode is so perfect for everyone, no matter if you've like never experienced self-pleasure before in your life, or if you're like, this is something I do every single night, you will learn something and get such a great takeaway. I think for me, my favorite parts are how she like really helps you dive into your own sexual pleasure and explore yourself, but then take what you learned from about yourself and apply that to a relationship and to how to better communicate that with a partner. Cause I think that's really valuable for a lot of people who just want to have better sex. Yeah. And I think my key takeaway too is like, I really want to get to a place where sometimes for me, I'm just like sex. It's like, okay, let's bada bing, bada boom. Like, let's get this. You come, I come, like, let's get this going. And I really want it to be more of a experience and just really feeling like pleasure and slowing down and having this really powerful experience. And this conversation today has really inspired me in that way. And I think it will inspire you guys. So without further ado, let's welcome Kiana to the podcast. Welcome, Kiana. How are you today? I'm great. How are you both doing? So good. We are good. Good. We're excited to chat with you today. Yeah, I am too. It's my favorite kind of conversation to have. Well, we're just going to jump in. Today, we're going to talk all about female pleasure. I feel like in my friend group, some people are super comfortable about talking about this. Some people are like, it feels a little taboo. But can you talk to us about why I think women, or you can tell your insight, should think about masturbation as a form of self-care? Oh, yeah. I mean, starting with just some very basic scientific findings is that pleasure is really good for you in a number of ways, not just for feeling good, which, you know, if you're in a state of pleasure on an ongoing way, it's really beneficial to your neurochemistry, basically. So some of the things you can look at with masturbation in particular around orgasm, around sexual pleasure, which is different 
than pleasure by itself, but we can break that out later, is that masturbation and orgasm can boost your immune system. It can support your sleep, the quality of your sleep, the depth of your sleep. It's really good at resetting your response to stress and lowering cortisol, which is basically, I'm sure you've talked about cortisol before on your show, but you know the spike in your adrenals when responding to a perceived threat in the environment. Also, when you when you orgasm and when you're touching your body or when you're masturbating, experiencing pleasure, you're releasing dopamine, you're releasing oxytocin, you're releasing endorphins and all of those, that, those kind of chemical cocktails really play a role in feeling powerful, feeling creative, feeling connected. Even if you're mm-hmm. alone, like having a sexual experience alone, you'll still release oxytocin. So that's the bonding hormone. It's a love hormone. And all of those magnificent things together really show the picture of why pleasure, particularly sexual pleasure with yourself is beneficial from a health perspective. And then you layer in this idea that actually masturbation is this moment to like be in your body, be with your body and to not have it be, I think a lot of times females have, when we have partnered experiences, a lot of our focus is on like, is this feeling good for them? And so to incorporate this focus back on yourself, is this feeling good for me and getting really super connected to how your body feels, how it likes to be touched, what turns you on, what are the things that are appearing in your fantasies? What are the things you think about or feel about? All of that is such insightful information to bring then into your partner and sex life. So I think of it not only as just like essential baseline toolkit, for great sex with a partner, but also just really wonderful to add to your toolkit for health and well-being and feeling good. Yeah, I kind of love that because it's like you're getting ready for like for sleep, right? You do like a whole 10 step like facial like routine. You make sure you're like in your cozy pajamas, you do whatever. And then it's like, okay, but like the one thing that can help you get like a great night's sleep is maybe masturbating. And I think that's something that people find so embarrassing maybe to even share, but that can absolutely be added to your routine and be part of your self-care and maybe like the greatest part of it as well. Yeah. And you hit on an interesting point, which I want to bring into this is I really like to say like how you masturbate is how you show up in a sexual experience with a partner. So the way that you access pleasure in your body, and a lot of us were taught as young kids pre like before we could remember, we don't have memories of these. Some people will have memories of this, but like, don't touch your genital, don't touch yourself there. Or like pull your hands out of your pants or like we were doing it and knowing we had to be really quiet and really fast. And so it's, there's for the majority, I would say of Americans, unless you were raised in a really sex positive forward thinking family, there's some level of internalized shame and that shame then shows up in a, like how we relate to our genitals in a sexual experience with a partner, like how comfortable we feel with letting them see us, our bodies, how comfortable we feel with them looking at our vulva, how comfortable we are with their for oral sex near our genitals. And it's all wrapped up in the same thing of how familiar and comfortable we are with our bodies. So that's one part of it. But then the other layer is pleasure. A lot of times is we reach it through already well-carved neural pathways. So if you're used to 
having an orgasm because you have to be touched in this one particular way because that's the way you've always masturbated and it happens within five minutes and it's like very direct, quick clitoral stimulation and then you're done. That's what you're going to be able to experience for the most part with a partner. And that's a really important detail that we don't talk about enough is like when you explain your pleasure capacity and your pleasure pathways, like what's possible in your body alone really impacts what's possible in your body with a partner makes you much more likely to experience different types of orgasms, extended arousal, extended foreplay and things like that. So really it's important for women to get to know themselves and invest in like their self-pleasure or solo sex to then be able to have better sex with a partner. Exactly. It's really important. Okay. Rewinding before we get into some of the other questions I have for someone who maybe isn't, it still feels a little bit like this topic is taboo or isn't sure like where to start. Do you have tips for women on how to create like a solo sex routine or how they should start like taking this step and really investing in their self-pleasure? Yeah, I think there's a couple really solid places to start. One I would say is just get familiar with your vulva and your genitals. Like look in the mirror, spend, put 15 minutes on your calendar, half an hour on your calendar and really look in the mirror with your legs spread the light at yourself. And so many of us don't do that. Right. I've there never is done just, that. Right. You don't know how you look. I mean, and it, yeah. it's, it will be revealing because you'll have all sorts of thoughts come up. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that was that color or like, Oh, what is this? Or Wow is I wonder if like other people's labia looks like this or I mean a million things. Cause you're looking mm-hmm. at the shape, you're looking at a part of your body. You really can't see without a mirror that well. And so to familiarize yourself with this part of your body. And then while you're doing that, pay attention to the thoughts that are arriving in your head without attaching belief to them. And that will start to show you what your own internalized sexual shame is, what it looks like, what flavor it has. And so let the thoughts bubble up. When you notice like a, oh, like I wish it wasn't that, I wish my labia wasn't that color, or I wish it was a little bit shorter or any of those thoughts, just like be with the feeling that's underneath it, which is like, am I normal? And the feeling that's underneath is really important because as you're with the feeling of just being with your body, that's the way to start clearing some of that shame and just get more and more comfortable. So that's one practice I think is really valuable for everyone, not even just people with vulvas, people with penises, any body part that has that much cultural uh, inherited like storytelling around it is super valuable to reclaim. And then the second is having some tools just for embodiment practices of pleasure. So embodied pleasure doesn't always look like we think of masturbation as I touch my genitals with my hands or a vibrator or a dildo basically. And what masturbation can actually be is a night that's an hour and a half where you light candles for yourself, you get in lingerie, you massage oil all over your body, all over your breasts, all over your thighs. You listen to your favorite playlist and you dance and you touch yourself sensually and you start to feel and incorporate other body parts that get so much less attention when it comes to sexual pleasure. And then from there, see what sounds like a good idea. What sounds like a good idea one night might be some genital touch, might be a vulva massage, 
Or maybe it's you bought a new crystal wand and you want to work with G-spot stimulation. I don't know. But there's a, a million different ways that masturbation can look. And so it's really developing the muscle, the internal muscle of being able to listen to like what would feel good for me now. I love that. And I think it's so, I think for me to like just letting go and just being in touch with your body, like all day long, there's so many things going on. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have my emails, phone, I'm running here, I'm running there. Like it's so rare where you actually just get a take time to just like slow down and listen to music and take time for yourself. And that in itself is honestly a huge thing. And then also getting to know your body. Like you said, I think people, a lot of women maybe feel self-conscious when they have a new partner of like them seeing them. And it's like, well, if you don't even see yourself and get comfortable with yourself, of course, it's going to be scary with a new partner. Like that just clicked in my head as you were saying that I'm like, ding, ding. Like we need to become more familiar with our bodies and ourselves to feel more comfortable and free with a partner. Yeah. So interesting. Do you have any specific like beginner tools, toys or anything yeah. like that you would suggest? Definitely. Always use lube. Always. I mean, why, why, is that? why is that? And also like, I think that there is a lot of like stigma around lube too, totally. because I feel yeah. like it's like, okay, if you have to lube, use lube, like I just think of like the sex in the city episode where like Samantha's like, am I drying up? Like I'm old. And I think women are told like, if you have to l- use lube, like there's almost something wrong with you. Oh yeah. Well, there's all sorts of reasons to use lube. Physically lube, having like a viscous lubricating material applied to your genitals is really important just for the tissue safety. Basically it's a mucosal membrane similar to the inside of your mouth that really wants moisture, especially if there's friction or any type of touch. And so when you don't have that, you subject your the inside of your vulva, your inner labia and your vagina to micro tears, which mm. is way easier to get infection. It's when you feel that kind of like stingy, ouchy feeling that can happen after penetration and lube protects it. It's like I mean, I hate to use this analogy, but it's like putting oil in your motor so that things can run well and not hurt essentially. The second is that like, if you start with lube, your body's going to have a response to the touch and the type of touch in a much different way. So if you put lube on right away, cause nobody's, unless you're in a really highly, highly aroused state with a partner, or you already really turned on, it's going to take the majority of people with a female body, like 20 to 40 minutes to really get to a place of heightened arousal, which is when all of your erectile tissue is engorged. Your clitoris is engorged. It actually gets a little erection. Your outer labia get very full. There's an erectile tissue bed underneath them called the vestibular bulbs. They get swollen, like they get big. And until you notice that happening on your body, like you're not in a heightened state of arousal. You're becoming aroused. And this is this will blow your mind. And maybe you know this already, but the last bed of erectile tissue to fill up is your G-spot, is your urethral sponge. So it's way less likely you're going to have an intravaginal orgasm from any type of penetration until you're in a highly aroused state, which again, takes that like on average 20 to 40 minutes. So starting with a lube, A, is just going to get your arousal kicked in sooner. 
you're going to be like, oh, something's slippery. Something feels good. Your body starts to respond, which is a different type of a desire. Responsive desire is when there's a stimulus in your senses that then tells your brain you're starting to become sexually aroused versus what we're taught in movies is like, oh, I have the urge. I have the urge to be in some kind of sexual situation and then my body becomes aroused. This is like body first, body-based arousal. So using lube really like sets you up for arousal and comfort. And it also, there's studies that showed like using lube alone will increase pleasure, I think by like 30% because it just makes things feel better. And I'll caveat it with like, not all lubes created equal. There's tons of garbage in the majority of lubes you'll find even at like the grocery store or your pharmacy. So you want to look for something that's very clean, safe for sensitive skin, no chemicals, nothing like that. Cause that goes straight into your bloodstream from your mucosal membrane. Oh my gosh. I have a story about that because one time I interviewed Farah Abraham, the teen mom. This like it was a really <laughs> weird interview because she was like promoting her like Bible children's book at the same time as her like new sex toys and her oh, lube wow. line. And anyways, <laughs> I came home from this interview and I like never used lube before this. Yeah. Yeah. And I came home and I brought it to my partner. I was like, oh my gosh, we try this. And we started trying it. And like, we used it like a couple of times. This shit burned me like crazy. And I just never used lube before. So like, I was just like, maybe it's supposed to feel like this. Like, and I just didn't know. I know now that it is not supposed, but every time I think about it, I'm like, lube is not all lubes are created equal. They're not. And I actually, it's so important that you say that because like the vagina and the vulva are so sensitive. They really are sensitive. Like our, we have a whole microbiome there separate from the gut microbiome and separate from the oral microbiome. And there's a whole pH regulatory system that is in place to protect the sensitivity and the bacteria there. But anytime you introduce something that's not safe for that that type of skin and that body part and that pH level, you're going to disrupt the bacteria that's supposed to be there. You're going to disrupt the, and cause inflammation of the skin and the tissues, which puts you at a much higher likelihood of experience, something like a yeast infection or bacterial vaginosis or UTI just by the nature of inflammation alone. So yeah, be really careful. And while you were saying that, it reminded me like the second part of your last question was, why is there such a stigma around using lube? And I really think it's because we're taught how we're taught about what arousal looks like in the first place. Like every movie you'll see, every TV show, people, particularly when it's portrayed as like in a heterosexual narrative with a woman and a man as partner, they're portrayed that the arousal happens at the same rate and in the same way. Mm -hmm. Right. So men, when they get an erection, it happens for the most part, pretty quickly. And you can see it right away. But I will say this happens for men too, right? If they have fluctuating erections, fluctuating hardness of their penis, we can sometimes take it personally like, oh, am I not turning you on? The same thing happens when we aren't quote unquote wet, right? The lube is associated with our wrongly associated with our desire level for our partners. And that's why I think it has such a bad rap. And I'll I'll tell you this story. We, I was in Georgia giving a talk at this really amazing event. And I had this guy who was on the staff helping move like a heater because it was freezing cold in the middle of winter. And 
he was from Georgia. He's like local guy, super kind guy. And at the end, I didn't have anything to like thank him. So I was like, do you have a girlfriend? Do you have a female partner? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, here's the awaken arousal oil that we make. Like she will love it. And this isn't even a lube. This is an arousal oil literally for, designed for her pleasure straight, you know, so that she can experience more. And what he said to me is, so what you're saying is like, if I'm not doing it right. And I was like, that's it. You're like, like that's exactly that's, not what I'm saying. That's I was like, and it's not even his fault. It's just that we're taught that our partner's pleasure is how much they desire us. Mm-hmm. So like you, you know, my lubrication is basically a reflection of how much I actually want my partner. And that's a, excuse my language, but it's false. I was going to say fucking false. It's fucking false. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I think that's really, that's great for a lot of women to hear because I'm sure a lot of women are like thinking like, wait, if I'm not immediately like aroused and is there something wrong with me? Am I not super connected to my partner? And I actually have a story that a guy said once I was like, I'm like, now that I think about it, I'm like, this was like so messed up. This was like in a work environment. And this guy was talking about women and specifically different races of women, which now like in theory, I'm like, this was super racist and like just a messed up like conversation in general. But he pretty much was talking about, and I remember specifically, he was like, white women always need lube. Asian women don't. And he like used that as a reason why like Asian women, it's like his whole thing was messed up. But what stuck with me was like, wow, like men think that like if a woman is not immediately aroused or wet right away, there's something wrong with her. And I think that like that, maybe it's like men's insecurities are then projected onto women and made make women feel that way. Definitely. And that's the thing with sex is like all of our insecurities are involved. We're literally naked. We spend Mm -hmm. all of our lives not being naked and being told we can't be naked and that we shouldn't have sex with many or lots of people and that our genitals are something to be ashamed of. And then we get naked and then we don't expect like all of our insecurities to come out. And then right. there's so much, so much pressure on performance on both sides, right? Mm. Men have yes. a lot of performance pressure too. And yes. so what you're getting yourselves into, and this is why really comprehensive pleasure-based sex ed is so important because you're, you're in a situation where those type of conversations have to happen either before or during, like there has to be a way to communicate about this stuff in a way that's like positive and helps us feel closer to each other. Mm-hmm. And going back to the lube thing again, cause it's obviously it's like so important is like, there's so many things that can get in the way of arousal and like, yes, vaginal lubrication can reflect your state of arousal, but it also changes vastly over your lifetime based on your hormone levels. For example, perimenopause, menopause, and postpartum, you'll have a decrease in estrogen. And estrogen is the hormone that's directly responsible for a majority of your vaginal lubrication. So if you have low estrogen or you have hormone imbalance, or you're just going through something in your life where you feel chronic stress, for example, if you have heightened cortisol, that's stealing basically what would be the precursors for your sex hormones and putting it towards cortisol, you might have a fluctuation for no apparent reason in your estrogen levels. And that will directly impact like the physicality, how it shows up in your body. SSRIs are another great example of this. People who've gone through chemotherapy or are on Mm -hmm. any type of estrogen blocking pharmaceutical birth control can even impact this. So that's just like from a, like, physiological standpoint is our bodies are constantly changing. There's a lot we expose them to that can 
change how lubrication manifests and like to destigmatize the use of lube so that both partners, by the way, experience more pleasure when there's lube. Even if you're very wet, you yeah. introduce lube and research shows that all parties involved experience more pleasure. So even if we just left it at that would be enough reason to use it. I gave my friend the arousal oil and actually this morning we we're on the phone and she said it has changed my masturbation routine because she was really struggling because she has, does not really orgasm with men, but she can easily orgasm on her own and has a completely um, kind of uneducated, you know, friend. I gave her my advice was, I was like, I think you need to take a break from, and you can tell me if this is wrong. I was like, I think you need to take a break from the vibrator and just use your hand and the arousal oil and just like get back into that. And I think then you're going to be able to orgasm with a partner because I went through a phase where I was using a vibrator a lot. And then I found it was more difficult for me. And this could be false. I'm just speaking out loud. I'd love to hear your thoughts. It was difficult, more difficult for me to orgasm with a partner. So Anyway, she has said that this arousal oil has changed her routine, changed her masturbation like drastically, which is amazing. We love to hear it. But I guess my question too is, we're pivoting a little bit, is using a vibrator too much in female self-pleasure, can it be a negative thing? I love that question. And it kind of goes back to this original thing that we were talking about, which is like favorite tools, right? Mm -hmm. I love vibrators. I have multiple different ones that I think are wonderful. And for the most part, I use my hands because I like to feel my body and I like to have, that's my personal practice with it. I don't think vibrators are like harmful, but I think that what happens is with pleasure pathways, right? We were talking about like, if there's a way that you habitually have to, that you have to use habitually or a way that you, like a position you have to be in or a type of touch that you have to have in order to reach climax. What you want to do is break out of that and bring, introduce as much variety as possible because that's expanding your pleasure capacity. So I think your advice was really appropriate for her is like, take a break from what you're doing. And I would have this advice for anyone. If someone was only masturbating with their hands, maybe take a break, try some other tools. Mm -hmm. Do you just do clitoral stimulation? Do you involve your breasts? Like, how much massaging of your G-spot? Do you work with your cervix? Like things where you can introduce these different parts is really important. And then the arousal oil, of course, is like was literally built because the female body is so misunderstood from a pleasure perspective. And so it's really meant to work with that period of time where you're moving towards heightened arousal and help you access that easier. And I think that's what's such a powerful, why it's so powerful is because people are starting to use it and then they'll go like, whoa, my body is capable of so much more pleasure than I even knew. So yeah, I think I don't, I feel like I've rarely reached like max arousal or what term did you use? Ultimate arousal? Oh, like heightened arousal. Heightened arousal. Yeah. yeah. I think I've rarely actually done that because too, I think sometimes like it, it gets to like, especially with a partner, it's kind of sometimes I feel like I put the pressure on myself to get the show on the road. You know, I'm like, like, oh my God, like I'm taking forever. Like Rand, just get it together. Just, you know what I mean? And I'm not going to fake it. I mean, I definitely have, but just because I was like, all right, we got to wrap this up. 
Yeah. But like, I think that I don't even know where I'm going with this, but okay. I've lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. I want to speak to that though, because that is one of the most universal experiences. Like I, me as someone who's been in this realm for 15 years at this point, still gets that too. That is so ingrained in us. So, so ingrained in us. And it's something like to take and be with in the moment and be like, Oh, there I am rushing myself again. How can I take a breath and go back into my sensation because the thing that's going to pull you out of your pleasure the most is being in your prefrontal cortex and your thinking brain mm-hmm. sensation and emotion and connection and all of that happens in the mammalian brain and sex like reproduction happens in the reptilian brain it's like it's not in the highly intellectual places or the places where we're having thoughts. It's in the places where we're really relaxed and we're really embodied. And we're just like in our experience being an animal. So, and so how, how do we get out of our damn heads? Yeah. Well, the brain A is the biggest sex organ. And I think mm-hmm. that's like, it's a double-edged sword, right? Mm-hmm. You can use it for a positive and harness its power, or you can get lost in the ever kind of, growing list of things to do, including sexual things we're supposed to do. How do I look right now? Has it been going down on me for too long? Like, am I taking too long? Come, I need to come. Like all of the yeah. things that like start to build up. So one, I would say like, use your brain for the power of harnessing more sexual arousal, which would be one notice when you're feeling that just like the actually like becoming conscious of when you're rushing yourself or when you're putting sexual pressure on yourself. And then refocusing your brain back onto sensation. So you're putting it basically out of like what's happening up here in your mind and you're pushing your awareness down into your body and going like, wow, if I can put all of my awareness right now on where I'm being touched, it will instantly expand the amount of pleasure you're feeling. So I think that's one mm-hmm. piece of it. Second is you can, if once you like get that practice of sensate awareness is basically being able to put all of your attention into the sensation of your body. The second is you can start to layer in some of the more emotionally, I'm going to call it like emotionally qualitative things that turn you on. And this is where fantasy becomes really useful. It's not to check out. It's not to like go out into some other realm and start thinking about whatever's not happening in this room so that you can get turned on, but it's so that you can reach for something. You can reach for kind of like an energetic quality. Let's say like rough sex, for example, or like secret sex. These qualities of something that might turn you on personally, but that's not happening in the moment. And you can reach for the energy and then you can bring it into your own body. So what would it feel like if I was feeling just a little more like slutty? And I let myself feel that way. And like, if I was tapping into my, call it your like inner slutty sensation or your like inner whore, I don't know, you could call it a million things, but that part of you that really like craves and desires sex and is like totally open and to- just like hungers for it. Then you start to open your body into the emotion of like a deeper and different, for lack of a better word, like a texture of desire that you're probably not used to bringing in as much into partnered moments. And that's a really fun way to start. Or maybe like you play with innocence or maybe you play with messiness. Maybe you play with a little like roughness, you know, and you like ask your partner to like, oh, I love it when you grab me so firm. Or a lot of people like love pressure around their neck or their chest or just like being gripped. All of that stuff will really spike your turn on 
when you allow yourself to get out of the pattern of like rushing and pushing your t- yourself towards something. And it will include your partner in your process. They'll okay. feel it even if you're not saying it. I have so many questions and I want to get into being able to communicate with your partner because I think that's like so important once you've like mastered solo sex and like know how to pleasure yourself But really quickly. And this like might be technical niche, but do you have advice for women on how to like hold an orgasm? I don't know if that makes any sense. And this is why I need to become a better sex mm-hmm. communicator. Yeah, yeah. This isn't be too much information, but I feel like- No, I love this. This is great. You know how sometimes when you're having sex and you're having an orgasm and it's really great and like you're contracting or whatever, sometimes it's almost like you can't take it anymore, like in a good way. Yes. Like how yeah. do you continue to like stay in that moment and hold it? Because yeah. I feel like myself in like the best like orgasms I'm having, I'm like- I can't keep it there for that long. Cause it's like, it's like it, too much. It's almost too much, but like in a good way, but yeah, I want to be, I want, I like, it's a great feeling. You want to hold it for longer. And I don't know if there's a certain way to do that or to practice that. Do you mean like extending your orgasm so that it lasts for longer or like you're about to reach orgasm? No, I feel like, feels- I feel like you've already, I guess maybe yeah. I mean, extending your orgasm. Like you've already reached okay. orgasm and you want to go again. Does it like, okay, you know I had the I mean? other night actually, like, okay. okay, so this guy was going down on me and I yeah. was orgasming, but, yeah. and he was still going, but it felt so sensitive down there. I was like, well, like, okay, okay, okay. Like, like you can't take it anymore, was, but it's but like great and you wanted to keep it, going. Yes, yeah, but yeah. it almost felt like it was like I needed him to stop because yeah. it felt so, like, I guess sensitive is the word yeah. I would use, but he wasn't stopping. Where yeah. I guess, is that what you're saying, Christina? Yeah, I think so. Like, I feel like sometimes when my husband's going down on me, I have to like, and it's great. And when I'm orgasming, I almost have to like pull away at a certain point because I just can't mm-hmm. take it anymore. But like, yeah. I, and I guess it is because it's just, I'm so sensitive. Maybe that's the word yeah. I'm looking for. But I, but it's like in like such a great heightened moment that I'm like, wait, is there something I, how do could, I keep it going? How do I keep it going? Yeah. So is, <laughs> this is very I guess- specific. No, it's so good because it's actually like getting right into the heart of something that is great, which is like, be, like being able to have multiple orgasms, which we are so capable of. And like, I first learned this with myself. I, when I first, I think I started masturbating like in my late teens, but really didn't understand much about my body until my mid twenties. And I was always like a one orgasm. And then like, that was my capacity because I was so sensitive afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it's true. You become really like, especially your clitoris gets really sensitive right afterwards, but your clitoris is an external part. Like the glands of your clitoris is an external part of like a massive infrastructure for pleasure in your body. So there's a couple tools that I would bring into this. One is yes, slow down. Mm-hmm. Like after that, just cluing your partner in being like, Oh my God, after, and not in the moment, have a sexual conversation like after or before and be like, Hey baby, like I had the most amazing orgasm with you last night when you were going down on me. And I really want to learn how to expand that. And I noticed that I get really sensitive right, right after I orgasm. So it would feel really good for me if in that moment you could just like slow down to like the lightest, lightest touch and help like follow my lead in, in building with the energy with me again, mm. because, and I think, so that's one piece is like cluing your partner in on that. You might be more sensitive and you might need slower, less touch. 
especially on the clitoris. But this is then a place where they can explore other parts of you because at this point you'll be much more aroused. Mm -hmm. So internal stimulation, like working with G-spot, there's the G-spot, there's the AFE zone, which is like right behind the G-spot. There's the cervix, there's your anus, like all of these places that are super wired for touch and pleasure. And that might be a great moment for him to then go like, cool, I'm going to lay off a little bit on the clitoris and go deep intravaginal stimulation. And like, that's a really different orgasm than a clitoral, like a direct, like glands of the clitoris orgasm. And then the second thing for you or whatever, the fifth or the 10th thing, I don't know what I'm on right now, but (laughs) for you is breath because what happens often is when we're in climax, we go into like contraction because the body's convulsing mm-hmm. and, and we get really like tight. We're about to come and then we like have this big explosion, but the body is like in a tensing pattern. And so if you can bring really deep belly breathing and kind of in that moment, your body is so filled with sensation that it has to move. And the three things that can actually move energy from a really concentrated point, which would be your genitals into the rest of your body so that you can handle more energy is breath, sound, and movement. Mm. So paying attention to really deep belly breathing, making sounds as many and as loud as you want, making sure your jaw is really open and then moving. So if your body like needs to like writhe and move or you need to switch positions or you need to yell really, like all of that is like the energy that needs to pop and move in order for you to keep taking more. So breath, sound, and movement, getting him on the same page as you Mm. in terms of what you need and then exploring different stimulation centers. Okay, I think those are great tips. I'm excited to try like incorporate more breath into it. And then also that just leads into like the deeper conversation of communication and how important it is to communicate with your partner. And I feel Mm -hmm. like we know that's just necessary for any healthy relationship. But of course, I feel like sex and communicating about sex seems to be challenging for a lot of couples. So how do we compute? How do we communicate what we like solo and incorporate that into working with the partner? Yeah. One tool I would say is like have a date night where you watch your, part, your partner and your partner watches you masturbate. Oh, I love that idea. It's like a really, and have them on different nights too. You can play with like doing it at the same time, but like most likely it'll be the most impactful experience to watch your partner in their full pleasure. You're not touching them you're honoring and watching exactly how they touch themselves. It is so vulnerable to do that in Mm -hmm. front of a partner. And it is you, it's so rewarding because you'll learn so much about how they touch themselves. And it kind of stops the guessing. You can be like, Oh, Whoa, I didn't know that they like touched their cock like this. Or like, I had no idea that like he loved, like I learned so much about my partner in Mm -hmm. that way. And so, and the same for your partner watching you and how long it might take you and where you touch yourself and what you put on. Like, it's just a really embodied way to like give an exact kind of like blueprint. Like this is what I love. And this is, you know, and it's um, very erotic and guarantee you'll both leave feeling super turned on and closer. So that's a good place to start. Okay. What if someone's like, I don't feel comfortable even talking about sex with my partner. I'm not asking them to masturbate yeah, yeah. in front of me and I'm not doing it in front <laughs> yeah. of them. Like how do we rewind it and take it down a notch? Because that sounds amazing, <laughs> totally. but I feel like a lot of people will be like, I'm never going to do that. So oh, where, do, how, where do we so begin true. if we're not comfortable yeah. for ask to ask that? I forget, I forget I live in this world where I'm <laughs> 
I mean, like some of the schooling and certifications that I've gone through is like group masturbation. And so here, I'm like, yeah, we're fine. <laughs> um, so I think a taking it out of the sexual moment is really important, it is very important in a sexual moment to actually communicate. Like if it hurts, like what feels good and what hurts basically mm-hmm. those two things. And it can be really simple. Like, Ooh, that feels good. And Ooh, that hurts. And that would be like probably the most important information, particularly for women, because there's all this, like we're taught to endure. And so many women are like, yeah, even when it's like a little uncomfortable, I just go with it. Cause like, I don't know what to say. And like, oh don't gosh, ever do yeah. that. That's just then going to be the thing that keeps happening. Yeah. And it's like teaching <laughs> like, bad habits and encouraging yeah. bad habits. Yeah. This is like Pavlov, right? You ring the bell when the thing is there and they start to get it, whoever you're with. I don't remember exactly that story, but you're training them basically ring the bell when it feels really good and they'll do the thing yeah. that makes it feel really good and ring the alarm, the alarm being like the bad thing when it starts to feel uncomfortable, painful, or just boring or not good. And they will stop doing that. But the partner needs to have that information very explicitly in a sexual moment as it happens. And like they, it's the, as it happens, that's so valuable. So like very much, if you don't make sounds or you don't use words and you're just kind of quiet, like turn the volume up in your own voice to like a five or a six and see if they start to respond. And if they're still not getting it, you likely need to turn it up to a 10 and you might feel a little uncomfortable with that. That's what it will take. So that would be a sexual moment, responding in the moment to what feels good and what doesn't through voice and words. And then the second would be in a non-sexual moment, come to your partner and say something along the lines of our sex life is so important to me and we don't talk about it a lot. And I really would love to open up some kind of dialogue about what feels good for you and what feels good for me so that we can continue to expand and grow in this way. Cause nobody wants to have like the same sex the rest of their life. Guaranteed. Nobody wants that, mm-hmm. but that we don't have a lot of the skills to communicate about our needs. So you can start there. And then here's a very simple, like basic way to set it up. And it's, it's a structure feedback that I learned from my teacher, John Wineland. And it's just basically like, here's what I loved and here's what I wanted more of, or here's what I love about our sex life. I love the way you kiss me. I love the way you touch my hips. I love when you put a pillow under me. So that angle really, you know, anything that you can think of, take five minutes, four minutes on the positives and one minute on the, what you want more of. And you could do this weekly, or you could do it monthly and you take turns where you each reflect. Like I loved when you grabbed me this way or whatever it is. And then the second part of it, like what I would need more of, you could say, I would need more slowness. It's not, I would need you to, it's, I would need more of this. So you're which yeah. really being like, it takes, yeah. the, you're being gentle and like the, protecting like the ego and the confidence at the same time, which is yeah, super and, important. Yeah. And you're focusing on the positive. Cause like, mm-hmm. obviously to be in a relationship with this person, there has to be some positive and you can find that and it will make someone feel more valued and more open to receiving feedback when there's praise before it. So praise, 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 here's feedback. And I think it's really important to be super specific, to identify the specificity of what you're needing. So I would need, again, it's not, I would need you to, 
because that will totally go in another direction. I would need a longer time. I would need a, more foreplay before penetration to feel really ready for penetration. Or I would need you to look in my eyes and like breathe with me if we get into a moment where I'm uncertain. Or I would need you to kiss me more. You know, like there's, or I would need you to like talk dirty to me in my ear. Anything goes, but it also is an invitation for your partner to learn more about your inner sexual world, your eroticism, which is so, it's such a vast and unending landscape that we don't get the opportunity to talk about or connect about enough. And once you start connecting those places, it is literally an infinite expanse of exploration that's possible together. That's so powerful. And I think too, is why it's again, so important to get to know yourself first, because like I've had instances where someone will be like, well, what do you want? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. even know. No. I'm like, no, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, how do I tell this guy like what I want when I'm like, yeah. I don't even know. I'm like, oh. yeah. that's why I think it's so important to to also focus on your self-pleasure. And I think you've given us so many valuable tips and like nuggets of information for all of us to really embrace our pleasure and really go deeper. Like I'm excited. I'm like, oh, dang. like I feel like this is so like exciting and like to really take time to like explore yourself. Yeah. Uh, so this was such a good conversation. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I have a a thought for that because I know a lot of yes, people ask please. what do you want? What do you want, baby? What do you want me to do? Yeah. And that's a really generous question. That's a, if your partner is asking you that, that is beautiful. And a lot of the times we don't know, right? Mm-hmm. We just don't. We're like, I don't know what I want. I'm like not in my thinking brain and suddenly I'm have to think about what I want right now. And again, like people who are raised, you know, in a like feminized way, we're not really taught to be direct either or ask for exactly what we want. So that's a practice in and of itself. But if you can take that opportunity and apply breath to it and close and be like, I don't know, hold on and give yourself the permission to just pause and ask your body. And you can go like, take a deep breath and go like, what do I want right now? Something will light up. You will feel it. If you're paying attention to the sensations in your body, some part of you will light up in a way that you're craving a certain type of touch or it might be weird, but like that's vulnerability. Like that's intimacy. If you want to invite more of that, like you have to sometimes be bold enough to say like, I want you to massage my butt crack or like, or like, I want you to suck on my nipples for like, but with your whole mouth around my whole boob, you know, not just my areola. Like, I don't know, but nobody like is. It's like, sometimes you have though, I think it's like a practice too, because sometimes like I will have like, oh, I know what to say, but like, I feel uncomfortable saying, which is so, well, I don't want to say it's silly because I think there's a lot, as we've talked about today, like shame and just being uncomfortable with things. It takes practice to just say like, I think that's something that a takeaway that I'm taking from this episode is to just practice saying like, okay, this is what I want. Even if it maybe sounds like weird or whatever in my head to just practice saying it because I feel like it'll just get easier because that's something that I struggle with. Yeah. The best sex happens when there's a willingness to be completely vulnerable. And what's so interesting and incongruent about the way we approach sex a lot of times is that it's the most intimate thing we can do with ourselves or with a partner. It is the most intimate 
and the most vulnerable. We're sharing the most intimate and vulnerable parts of their body with another person. And if we can't do that emotionally with them, what are we doing? How are you even in that situation? And is then, and this is where, I mean, this is like a little high flame, but like, are you emotionally ready to be that intimate and vulnerable with a person? If you're not able, if you're not willing to bring it, you know, mm-hmm. so it's food for thought. <sighs> Dang. This is so good. I'm like, this is so good. Thank you so much for sharing all your insight with us. And I think this is going to be such a valuable episode to empower women to take hold of their self-pleasure and pleasure with a partner too. Can you let everybody know where they can find you if they want more information? Yeah. Plug yourself. Totally. Yeah. So I'm Kiana Reeves. So you can find me personally, probably Instagram's the best. It's Kiana.Reeves. And then Foria is our company. So foriawellness.com and the app Foria Wellness Instagram is a really good spot. We do tons of education, so much focus on female pleasure, so many blogs, incredible resources there for you. And I know you mentioned you have like some different tools and toys and stuff that you love using. Maybe we'll reach out and if you can like send those to us, include those in the show notes. So if someone's serious about self-pleasure, they can invest in those as well. Thank you so much, Kiana. Yeah. Thanks. It was really fun. Thank you. Have an amazing day. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, everyone. It is time for Ask Away with Ray and Kay, where we sit down with you and give you our solicited advice. Let's get into it. Everyone, welcome Kennedy to the Confident Collective podcast. Kennedy, hit us with the moneymaker question you got. Sounds good. All right. Well, the question that I had was, is it okay to not have a wild phase in your life? Because I feel like everyone sort of has this expectation of in your younger years, you're supposed to be going kind of like crazy, experiencing as much as you can. Finding yourself is pretty much what it's supposed to be like, I guess, in your twenties. And my sort of question is, is in regard to like the fact that I feel like myself and some of my friends maybe haven't had that experience or had that sort of like crazy college time even. And so I was just sort of wondering what your guys' opinions are on not having that phase in your younger years. And if that's something that you think everyone should have or just what that experience should be like in your opinion. I think that it really just depends on who you are as a person, to be honest with you. Like I had a crazy wild phase because I've just been like a crazy wild person. Like even during our live show, we like showed (laughs) this photo of me rolling a blunt and literally all my friends were around me. And like Ray was like, what? Like, it looks like these people are your workers. And I was like, no, because like all the wild things that we did, honestly, like were my ideas. Like it was just something that I want to do and came to me. And it wasn't like anything like I felt like I needed to do. It was just honestly who I was. But some of my friends weren't like that at all. And I feel like if you're not like that, and if you don't have that like desire to be crazy or wild, and I think that wild is different for every person, you know what I mean? Then you don't feel any pressure to do what other people are doing just because like it's you feel like you're missing out because no, if you don't want that, you would be hate being in those scenarios. You'd be like, this is so lame. I don't want to be here. And I don't think you would enjoy it at all. 
Yeah, I think that like you can't force yourself to do something because I think we always think like, oh, I should be doing this like because it's what other people are saying they're doing. But if you generally don't feel that like you want to do that, then don't. And obviously now it's like we're a little bit later. It sounds like how old are you, Kennedy? I'm 24. 24. Oh my gosh. Well, if, you want to, if you really want to, you've got so much time. I was going to be like, okay, now, you know, we're getting into our thirties. It feels like it. So I think that's why it's sort of freaking out. Cause like I'm in a relationship that's very serious and it feels like a lot more mature than I think most of my other friends. So in my opinion, mm-hmm. I feel a lot older and then sort of seeing them and the way that they're experiencing their life at this point, it's so different. And so I think that's sort of where the, mm-hmm. I guess, confusion comes in. Cause I'm just like, I hope that I'm not like making <laughs> like a decision too early or something like that. But yeah, I totally I, get what you're saying. Yeah. I think if you're happy and this right now where you're at is bringing you joy, then that's your answer. And also like wild can mean so many different things. You know, for some people, wild is like going to Europe and sleeping with a bunch of people or going out and like clubbing and partying, or I don't even know what people want. Some people maybe want to go to somewhere and do like ashwagandha i don't even know if that's how you say it <laughs> but i think it could be so many different things and i think too like ayahuasca is what you're thinking <laughs> oh, yeah that <laughs> what did i say that's a mushroom though that's like no. a, like a healthy it's like for like brain development and stuff fine anyway now i lost my train of thought but basically just because you're in a relationship or something doesn't mean maybe you can't still be adventurous and do other things because I think people crave this wild phase because they get out of their comfort zone and they learn something about themselves. And I think it sounds like you're in a relationship and maybe in like a more steady situation, you can still do things out of your comfort zone and learn about yourself without having a bunch of sex or like doing drugs. If that's not what you want to do. Totally. And And I think also like social media as well is something that I think puts a lot of pressure on people that are not, are not doing those kinds of things. Like Rayanne, like your summer trip was just amazing. And I think that's something like everyone would idealize is like the thing to do when you're young is like have those experiences. And so I think that like seeing that over and over again, when you're in another situation, as much as that is still amazing, it's exactly what you guys are saying. It's like whatever your life is sort of moving towards, just if you're happy in that, then that's completely where you should be. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I could look at you and Christina who are in relationships and it's like, yeah, I had that phase and it, I think social media makes it look even, it makes it look so much more, even probably crazy, crazier than it was. But like, I want what you guys have too. Like, I'm like, wait, but now I'm at a point where like, I don't want to be at a club at two in the morning. I want to be at bed in bed with someone who really cares about me, you know? So the grass is always greener. It really is. And comparison really is the thief of joy. And also I hate this narrative that we tell ourselves, like you have to do these things when you're younger. Like what we young is a feeling young is a mindset. And I think that's always what you have to remember. And being able to have a partner to also do things with is so exciting. So maybe you're like not going crazy with like your single girlfriends, but maybe you're having like these experiences with your partner that you're going to be, you maybe plan to be with for the rest of your life. That is so exciting too. I mean, I have a child and I'm about to have another one. And I feel like my thirties and even like this past year, like, have been some of like the craziest times for me. So I just feel like life is always an adventure and you don't have to put a time limit or an age on any of it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Dropping wisdom today, Christina. (laughs) You too. I love it. Ashwagandha. 
Ashwagandha. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I hope that answered your question, Kennedy, or made you feel a little bit better about the situation because it is hard. I know it's like you see everybody doing all this stuff and you're like, oh, should I be doing that? And it's really, sometimes I dream about a life without social media and just like what it would be like. Cause I do feel like it would be maybe more peaceful. <laughs> I think, so I think we all need that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Kennedy. We really appreciate you asking us your question and coming on and chatting with us for a bit. Of course. Thank you guys so much. It's great meeting you. You too, Kennedy. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes on our website, theconfidentcollective.com and find us on Instagram at confidentcollective. And if you really loved what you heard, screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories. And don't forget to tag us.